Welcome to Season 4 of the Social Pros Podcast, where we shine the spotlight on real people doing real work in social media and learn the social secrets of the world's most interesting brands. Social Pros is sponsored by Integrated PR Software from Cision, by the easy-to-use farm builder, FarmStack, and by social audience analysis software, Affinio. Your Social Pros co-hosts are Adam Brown from Salesforce Marketing Cloud and Jay Baer from Convince and Convert. Ready? Let's get to work. Welcome, everybody, to Social Pros, the podcast for real people doing real work in social media. I am, as always, Jay Baer from Convince and Convert, joined by my Texas friend, Mr. Adam Brown, live from Austin, senior executive strategist, bartender for Salesforce.com. How are you, my friend? Howdy from uh, the great state of Texas. I'm doing great, Jay. Do you know how to do I the, hope like, it's rope cooler cruise? where you are? You know, I I, I majored in rodeo sciences. I <laughs> uh, got my BS in that, as well as uh, a minor in banjo playing. There no, probably I, I is rodeo sciences at Texas A&M, at the very least. Yeah. You know, actually, my biggest challenge being here in Austin, Texas, of course, where the University of Texas is located, is... My alma mater also wears orange, and it's also UT, yes. but it's the University of Tennessee, and it, it creates it creates a lot of challenges, but, you know, I'm getting through it. Unfortunately, it's not quite the exact sh- same shade of orange, so you can't just, like, exchange gear back and forth. It's too bad. Yeah, Pantone has a heyday with that. You know, <laughs> there, there are too many shades of orange. It's the burnt umbra, as it will. Uh, today's yes. guest on the big program uh, is neither from Tennessee nor from Texas, but has fans, customers, hangers on in all of those states, in every state and across the world. He is my friend, soon to be yours, Jason Keith Impresario, president, founder of Social Fresh, Mr. Keith. Thank you for being on the show. Thanks for having me on, Jay. I'm excited to be on once more. I was on this show a long while ago when you first started, and yeah. you've had a, an amazing run. Thanks so much. Yeah, way back, uh, way back when we were first getting social pros uh, off the ground, and it's fantastic to have you back. And your business has changed a ton uh, since then. Why don't we take a minute at the top of the show here and have you describe for the audience all the things that, that Social Fresh is involved in now? Yeah, so Social Fresh is the longest running social marketing conference. Uh, we're having our 17th conference uh, in September in Tampa this year, and that's the core of our business. You know, we're here to train people, to educate them, uh, to engage them with their peers, uh, and, and in general, just improve the lives of social marketers. Um, outside of that, we do some online training. Uh, we're always looking for opportunities to uh, produce more content on our blog, on our podcast, the Social Toolkit podcast, and and just connect social marketers with each other so they can learn more. One of the things that I think is particularly interesting is the fact that, that you started the Social Toolkit podcast because um, the conference, the Social Fresh conference, uh, isn't necessarily a tools conference per se. I mean, certainly there's coverage of that, but it's it's much more of a strategy and case study uh, event. We'll talk more about that in a second. How did you end up with a podcast, which I love, by the way, um, about the tools that, that we can use in social media? 
Yeah, so we took the cue from our audience in a lot of ways. I mean, I've wanted to start a podcast for a long time, but I didn't want to just do a social media podcast. You were doing a great job at that. There are a couple other people uh, doing an okay job at it. Uh, so I thought that it was being kind of covered. Um, so we wanted a different angle, and you know, after really kind of thinking about it for almost a year, um, we noticed that every time we wrote about tools, we do a tools post at the end of every year where we talk about the best new social tools of the year. It's always an amazing uh, result. Sometimes leading up to the conference, we write about tools uh, uh, with our speakers and what tools they're using. Um, and then uh, last year, uh, you'll know this, GA because you were there, but uh, Sarah Evans did a presentation for us that we turned into a webinar and had at our next conference as a presentation on her top 100 plus tools for kind of social and content. And it was um, it was a different kind of presentation. Obviously, it was less case study, less kind of actionable tips, and more just a, a smorgasbord of things that people could pick and choose from that they may not have heard of. Um, and all of those things had been wildly popular. So we thought that it was a good angle. And kind of, you know, the secret to it is it's really just a foothold into process. Uh, we talk about tools, and people think, you know, if, you, if I know the three tools that Jay uses to you know, write his book, then I can do the same thing that he does, right? Uh, we think it's kind of the secret to repeating an expert's results. Uh, but really for us, the, the joy we get out of it, besides just kind of geeking out about productivity tools, digital tools, social tools, is it really is a, a doorway into talking about process and really getting a shortcut into, you know, what experts are doing in their day-to-day -to, -day to accomplish things. And will you cover that again at, uh, at this year's conference in Tampa? You're going to have, have more coverage of, of tools? Uh, we're encouraging people to include that kind of thing. Uh, we're gonna Sarah's gonna do a take off of that original one where she talks about um, tips this time, uh, kind of a hundred social and content tips. So a little more in that actionable direction. Um, and I think we've got a couple presentations that'll touch on platform specific tools. Uh, I know we're gonna touch on Instagram stuff. Uh, we're gonna talk about uh, some of the new mobile content creation technology with the Today Show uh, and how they kind of create stuff on Periscope and Meerkat and and what they're using, um, and it's actually a lot lower tech than you probably would expect from them. Uh, and I think that's actually a secret we've seen a lot, is a, a lot of the really top-tier experts are using less technology than most people would expect. Absolutely. I mean, I'm doing Jay today on my iPhone. I, I assume uh, most people are doing podcasts on, on something that's, that's short of what you would find in a regular uh, radio setting. Uh, it's it's democratized content marketing in a in a really important way. I think. Um, speaking of which, you historically at Social Fresh have had uh, a very active blog, and it seems to me that the frequency of blog posts has gone down as the frequency of podcast episodes has gone up. Is that uh, part of the strategy? You're finding better results with with podcasting as opposed to blogging in terms of driving people to. Uh, sign up for the conference. How does that? How do you see those two working together or not working together in your business? Yeah, well, I think um, I think those two things are probably not causing. Uh, there's not causation there, but they're probably more both uh, side effects of a larger decision we made, which is uh, we decided to stop looking at traffic as a as a metric um, a while ago, uh, maybe maybe about a year ago, um, year and a half, and. The reason for that is, you know, I could write an article on, you know, the top 10 ways to get Instagram followers, and it gives us tons of traffic. It's probably, I think we've written about it two or three times over the years, and we just get tons of traffic. I mean, tens of thousands of visits to a post like that a month. Um, the 
problem with that is, you know, once we started looking at the email leads coming from that, which is a metric we still look at and is very important to our business, uh, it's very low quality, very low conversion percentage. And basically the people that are clicking on that article from Google are a bunch of teenagers from the mid- Midwest, right? It's it's a bunch of people that have nothing to do with Social Fresh Conference because Instagram's just a wildly pa- popular platform that everybody wants followers on. Um, so in you know, the focus we decided to change is that we're not worried about traffic, so that means we're less worried about writing a blog post every day, which we used to do with uh, great consistency. Um, and we may still get to that point, but instead we're going to focus on really our core um, our core goal, which is to train and educate people. The podcast is a great way to do that, so we, we've focused on getting that right. Uh, we're in the middle of kind of re uh, resetting the way we bring in blog posts uh, to the socialfresh.com blog. And a lot of that is going to be focused on how-to content, actionable content, uh, long form, so, you know, thousand words uh, minimum type content, and, you know, not worrying too much about getting five posts out a week and worrying instead about just getting the right content out there. And and so far, that's that's done pretty well for us. One of the things I'm always interested in when we speak to people who are in the events business, either in, in whole or in part, is how do you go about taking that very visceral, very useful, um, kind of transcendent event experience where you're in a room with really smart people, peers, and and you're all fired up and juiced up and you got all these ideas, and then you go back to the office and you got 362 days um, in between that experience. (laughs) Um, how, How do you go about taking that social fresh uh, esprit de corps and camaraderie and learning and stretching it out over the year. Where are you at in terms of um, online communities and sort of making it a, a thread that runs through the lives of social media professionals? Yeah, I think it's a great question. So, you know, one of the things we do at the conference is actually speak to that problem. Uh, we ask people to set calendar reminders while they're sitting in the seats. Um, we ask people to take notes a certain way to where they're hitting the high points on a notebook or a Google Doc or, you know, uh, whatever they use to take their notes um, so that they have specific things that they'll come back to in a week, in a month, in three months, in six months. Um, so that's one way, just kind of getting them to think that way from the get-go. Uh, we also try to get them to focus on one problem, like their main marketing, their main digital marketing, social marketing problem while they're there, uh, and really just attack one thing. Uh, you know, they'll get a ton of tips, but it helps if you kind of focus them. And then building away from the conference with community and kind of touch points uh, to keep things going, uh, we're actually playing with some email marketing follow-up uh, long-term, maybe like one email a month uh, to kind of continue those calendar reminders and then we've also really adjusted our community strategy in the last year Uh, we've always had uh, Facebook groups as a key part of our conference and it works really well maybe a month before a month after and the three days of the conference it's an amazing kind of short-term community and then they would really languish for the rest of the year so we adjusted our strategy this year to where those groups are going to be deleted after one or two months after the conference and we've established a, a social fresh community facebook group uh that's that's pretty young it's maybe four months five months old now and we're growing it very slowly there's a few hundred people in there right now we're not really pressuring ourselves to grow it we're focusing on 
getting the engagement right there, making sure the engagement becomes driven by the community and not necessarily always by us, making sure that the, the community is there to solve the problems of the community, that people are actually getting, again, actionable tips, really great uh, strategy directions, uh, recommendations on tools, things like that, and not sharing links. We've kind of outlawed links in the group for the most part. And um, that group, I think, is going to become an important piece for, for our long-term community efforts, and we're really pleased with it so far. So I think that's uh, one step that's really going to help us out and uh, keeping people going in between the conferences. So and we also, and I'll build on that, we also have an app um, that we've been working with a great technology partner on, Attendify, uh, that I'd recommend to everyone. And uh, we've worked with them to develop uh, the app kind of in the same way we've done with the Facebook groups to where it won't just be around the, the event itself, but we'll also have kind of some uh, year-round engagement opportunities through the app, notifications, content, pushing through there, et cetera. Nice. That's fantastic. So the, so the business case then for the community is, is I presume, conference renewals, right? That you get a, a higher percentage of people coming back year over year because they have that, that social fresh experience uh, every day of the year or nearly every day of the year. Yeah, definitely. You know, and we, we, do plan on offering more online training products, so that'll be another kind of return customer opportunity. But in general, I think if you know we become the place that people go to ask questions, um, then you know that's that speaks pretty well of our customers wanting to return to the conference. And we've done a good job at a higher percentage of our attendees coming back to attend again uh, for the past kind of two years, year over year. Uh, and I think um, so far what we're seeing. Uh, the numbers from the group, the engagement from the group, the anecdotal comments that we see uh, in that direction, I think it's uh, only going to increase. It's amazing that you talked about Facebook groups uh, as as you know the the place that you have selected to perpetuate the social fresh dream. Uh, when not that long ago, we might have thought about doing that as a LinkedIn group. Uh, you've been doing this a long time. Uh, why did you select uh, Facebook as the as the platform for this? Well, I, I think LinkedIn groups are great, and I think they can accomplish the same thing. We don't really have the bandwidth to run both, I don't think. Um, so we're just picking the one where we think most of our customers are. Um, our customers are logging into Facebook every day. They're not logging into LinkedIn every day. I think LinkedIn's doing a great job at fixing that and kind of improving that uh, uh, return login uh, you know, with their with their blogging platform, uh, they're doing a lot of interesting things at LinkedIn that I'm very excited about. So I'm still bullish there. But more people are on Facebook every day than anywhere else. So there's more organic opportunity for them to come in contact with the group there than it is on LinkedIn. Uh, for LinkedIn groups, I think there there are some people that are on LinkedIn a lot. You know, recruiters, salespeople. Um, but for the most part, our customers are not there every day. So they would they would have to you know use the the email functions. They would have to go to the group to log in every day and i think there's less there's less of a barrier on the facebook group jason one of the things i've always loved about uh social fresh and the training and insights that you provide are how actionable the data is this isn't academic this is scholarly people leave your events with ideas and and and, and actual things that they can do to, to improve social media, improve marketing communications back at the companies and organizations that they come from. One of the, one of the questions I have for you is, what's, what's kind of one of the biggest knowledge gaps that you're seeing with social media practitioners right now? And has that shifted over the couple of years that, that you've been doing your training activities? Yeah, I, it's hard to narrow it down to one. <laughs> it's, um, 
you know, I think uh, I think long form content is a big gap, and I think that's uh, I think there's a lot of things at play there. Uh, whether people can get the the budget, the hours, kind of assigned to produce really high quality long form content. Um, I think community building is something that. Uh, we see startups investing in, we see nonprofits investing in, but most businesses, uh, B2B, consumer, what have you, are not investing in a owned or platform-based community uh, on the brand side. They may be participating in other communities, but I think that's a huge opportunity that a lot of people are missing. And I think that's improving, especially because of the influence of startups who do invest in that kind of user growth and user uh, mentality, uh, user advocate mentality almost. But I think there's a lot of opportunity there. And then uh, I throw in also social advertising and just content promotion in general. Uh, there's a lot of people that are getting really good at content creation, uh, but when, when it comes to getting that content in front of more people, more eyeballs uh, in front of the right people, um, you know, social ads are a big part there. Native ads are a big opportunity, partnerships. I think there's just not enough time and money being invested in that end of that equation. Right. And, and you mentioned this a little bit in terms of kind of what you were even doing with Social Fresh. But I think one of the challenges with, with knowledge gaps is now I think we as social media practitioners are being held to a little bit higher standard. Our CMOs, our chief communications officers are saying, hey, listen, if I'm going to give you, Mr. and Mrs. Social Media Practitioner, money, I've got to take it from, uh, from someone else. Talk a little bit about how you're educating and informing your membership and your clients and customers on social media ROI. And are there one or two things uh, that you're seeing, especially as we kind of move from social media being really easy kind of cost avoidance tool to talk about to moving towards a revenue generating tool? Yeah, so I mean, one of the things we do is when we talk about content marketing, we talk about content that converts. I think Jay will align well with that considering uh, his blog has been called Convince and Convert a long time. Uh, I think the conversion mentality, even for a consumer brand, is very important. I think um, getting social analytics right, getting your KPIs right from step one and having a clear and simple strategy there that's agreed upon uh, from all sides is very important and that is a step that is still missed. You know, we, I get people that come and ask me about ROI, ask about analytics, um, it's still one of the most requested topics, and I think it's most requested because people are are skipping it, more or less. <laughs> They're jumping right into creating content. They're jumping right into a Facebook group, right into a Facebook page, uh, Twitter ads, uh, whatever it is, and they they don't have a a plan for how they're going to measure ROI. Uh, they don't have the technology in place for connecting the dots, and the technology honestly is is one of the gaps there. Uh, we still don't have a clear system. Uh, always for connecting A, B, and C for your digital campaign. Uh, you know whether you're putting ads on Facebook and tracking them to you know an Eventbrite landing page or a shopping cart, or uh, if you're a consumer brand and you don't own where the products are being sold. You know, there's a lot of gaps in these systems. I think technology is, especially in the past year, 18 months, has really started to bridge a lot of those gaps. Uh, there's a lot of great software, you know, including Salesforce, including um, some of the big boys that have uh, the all-in, all-in-one social marketing platforms are doing a better job at connecting those. I think that's very recent. Um, but you know, a true uh, all-encompassing social CRM is just kind of finally coming to fruition. So I think that helps, uh, but it's still only accessible for you know a certain percentage of businesses. Uh, so I think that's a piece of it. So I think there's a planning piece, keeping it simple, uh, having a, a, a plan that's agreed upon across departments or, or by the whole team 
and if that's in place, you know, having the technology to actually track all that is is a is a secondary piece that's very important. Sure. And and are you seeing more kind of the marketing or the advertising and the communications or PR folks kind of coming together on this, or do you see that ownership of the analytics happening in one of those two particular camps, or is it being handled by a whole different organization inside the company? It's kind of being handled by everyone. I mean, you look at uh, look at a company like JetBlue, and they. We've got analytics, uh, you know, just in their customer service, social media customer service team, they have three or four different analytics sources, right? Um, and that's one department. If you're if you're looking at data on a customer, uh, you're going to look at the loyalty team, you're going to look at the sales team, the e-commerce team, the customer service team, and everybody's using different software. I think if you look across at the biggest agencies that are doing social media, some of them are advertising, some of them are PR, some of them are digital agencies. It's really uh, everybody that has a has a, a role in the picture, everybody that has a card to play is trying to take as big a piece of the pie as possible. Um, so advertising is trying to get in on the game. PR is doing advertising. Advertising is doing PR. I mean, it's it's um, everyone jumping at whatever opportunities they see. Uh, I think it's less important who owns it, and it's just more important that somebody owns it and somebody's kind of defining it. And the, and if you, if you are a large organization, that there's communications across those uh, across those um, divides so that everybody knows what's going on. Yeah, I mean, I've always said that social is like a campfire. You know, it's that one thing inside of a company or organization, big or small, that kind of brings everybody together. And as, as you said, whether it's the customer service folks, marketing comms, or even other parts of the uh, the organization. Um, as you mentioned, advertising and, and paid, which I think is probably the newest aspect of, of social media that we're all getting used to, are you seeing any of your uh, your, your membership with with tips or tricks where they're they're seeing a, a higher level of efficacy? Um, you know, I think social advertising in general uh, is a huge opportunity that's not being uh, really invested in uh, outside of a few kind of. Uh, a few like large businesses and you know advertising agencies have a hard time investing in social ads because there's not really scale um, I think smaller businesses and smaller digital departments have trouble investing in advertising because it takes a lot of knowledge it takes a lot of ongoing iterations and uh, training because they're fast moving platforms fast changing platforms to really stay on top of it and do it well um, so I think you know one of the things we're seeing with social ads, it's a big trend, is the platforms are getting better at providing kind of plug-and-play opportunities that don't need uh, you know a business to hire an agency or don't need a whole lot of, uh, of levers and buttons to press to get it exactly right. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I think you know with with that, there's there's a huge opportunity for businesses to play in that space more and feel safe and feel comfortable. Um, you know kind of testing that out. And there's more places to put your money than there used to be. You know, Facebook's showing more ads than they ever have. They're giving more opportunities, more targeting opportunities than they've ever ever have. And we're going to see ads on Instagram here pretty soon, probably in the next 30 days, to almost everyone being opened up and using that same Facebook data. Uh, Pinterest ads are going to be opened up, I believe, sometime in the next 6 to 12 months on the same regard. We've got LinkedIn. We've got Twitter. Uh, So I think... You know, all these platforms are being driven forward by making uh, and giving people, giving advertisers, giving marketers an easier opportunity to to publish smarter ads. And I think that's uh, getting better and better, and that's pretty exciting. Um, also, I'll add on top of that, I think video ads are a huge, 
huge opportunity for people. Um, obviously, there's a barrier there to create a video ad. It's much more difficult, uh, but the it's it's a top of the funnel play that is that is working really well for a lot of people uh, based on the vendors that we're speaking to and the brands that we're speaking to. So you think video is worth the the extra production cost? I think you know it depends on your resources, uh, but I think if you if you have if you need if you need to increase the top of the funnel awareness of a product uh, of your business uh, of a specific service, I think uh, Facebook video ads in particular and and probably Twitter video ads uh, to an extent after the the platform matures a little bit more the technology matures a little bit more for Twitter. I think those are huge opportunities from what I'm seeing uh, to really kind of to really uh, touch audiences on a, on a first-touch basis uh, to where they can learn about you in, in a new and highly engaging way. And you can also really, you can track it in a new way. So, you know, Facebook is doing this in the newsfeed with uh, their edge rank algorithm kind of timing how long we spend with content. And that's being, that's happening because of video, uh, because they're, they're using those metrics already in video. They know if we watched one second or three seconds or 10 or 100 seconds of a video, they know if we made it to the end. They know if we unmuted the video. These are new engagement metrics that we haven't had before. And I can go in and say, everybody that watched it after three seconds, I want to send the second video to as a custom audience. I can say everybody watched it after three seconds. Uh, I want to send a second video to plus everybody that looks like them on Facebook, right? Uh, so these are very interesting, very uh, smart opportunities. If the if the production, uh, and, and like Jay was talking about at the top of the show, uh, production's getting a lot easier. Uh, so Jay's mastered it with the Jay Today videos, really impressed by those, and he's got a, a simple system to create those or else he wouldn't be able to do it every day. So I think the opportunity to create videos is getting easier uh, and if you kind of, if you know the tips, you know the best practices uh, for how to create Facebook video ads. I think it's a great opportunity that people should experiment more with. What's fascinating about that, Jason, and I couldn't agree more, is is you end up with a scenario, especially with Facebook now getting ready to roll out um, the ability to actually do one-click form completion, right? Just just instead of having to type in all your name and address information, you just click a button and, and Facebook will serve that up, just like uh, Twitter's done for a while with lead gen cards. What you actually end up with is a situation where Facebook video ads can serve as your marketing automation system. Right. So or, or certainly can augment it. Right. That, that Facebook alone can can try to do yeah. some of the things that you've been trying to do uh, with other uh, big software tools. Now, obviously, you know, enormous tools um, like like Salesforce Marketing Cloud and others do many, many things that Facebook doesn't do and will probably never do. But I think it's amazing how they're getting so good at event driven, behavior driven, custom audiences and remarketing that you literally could say, if you watch this video, get this other video. If you watch that video, get this third video. As opposed to what we've done historically, which is if you click this link in the email, you get another email. The the thesis, the psychology yeah. is the same, but the delivery mechanism is different. And as people theoretically spend more time on Facebook and less time in their inbox, we'll see whether that actually happens or not. But I think that's what they're betting on. It's a pretty fascinating thing to consider over the long haul. Yeah, and I think it's I think the email analogy, you know, is is has is an old one and still a very true one and increasingly so. Um, to where your entire sales funnel, marketing funnel can live on Facebook if you want to. And I think testing that is a great idea. And, you know, the difference between Facebook ads and email is you can uh, you can make sure that uh, 80, 90 percent of the people you're targeting will see your ad at least once. Uh, email, we can we can work pretty hard uh, and sometimes we can't, you know, get above 30, 40 percent open rates. Uh, so it's. 
Um, it's an interesting opportunity. The technology is advancing so quickly. Uh, it's very exciting. And I think uh, people really should be kind of testing out whether they can put a whole marketing funnel on the platform and seeing what, you know, you're going to lose a few, a few, um, a few not opportunities, but uh, things that you can't do on Facebook. But it's that list is getting shorter every day of things that you can't do on the, on these platforms. Yeah, maybe we'll test it for the Hug Your Haters launch. We'll see. Speaking of Hug Your Haters, go. my new book, my new concept, that is the topic that I am going to bring to the next Social Fresh Conference, which is in the lovely city of Tampa, September 23, 24, 25. If you go, where, where do you have to go to redeem this amazing special offer, Jason Keith? Yeah, go to socialfreshconference.com. Pretty simple. That is pretty simple. And you put in the promo code J, J-A-Y, which is my name. What do, you, what do the kids at home get, Mr. Keith? Well, you'll get $50 off. And I believe we have maybe uh, a few of your uh, Hug Your Haters early order book copies left. So if they use the J code, we'll make sure at least the first 10 of those folks um, get a free copy of your book pre-ordered. Uh, which is an awesome opportunity, I think. And then uh, you'll get $50 off the, the conference pass uh, until August 8th. I believe this is going to come out uh, near that date. Yeah. Um, and if you have any questions about any of those offers, shoot me a note on Twitter, at Jason Keith, and uh, we'll make sure you, you get that opportunity. There are less than 100 tickets left for the entire conference. So, right on. Well done. Uh, I'd say act soon. Well done. Yeah, and I think we'll be able to set it up, too, that as soon as the book is finished, uh, it's nearly finished now, but as soon as it's actually finished and through editorial, uh, what I'm trying to do with my publisher, uh, the good people at Portfolio Penguin, is to set it up that anybody who has pre-ordered, including the folks at Social Fresh, will be able to get an electronic version of the book as soon as it's available. So you may get the electronic version of the book you know, four months before the hard copy comes out, which would be great for everybody and great for me. So wow. we're working on that. That's great. That's awesome. Um, so thank you very much uh, for that opportunity. Can't wait to go back to Social Fresh. Uh, I, I speak at a lot of conferences, as folks who listen to the show probably know, but uh, I sincerely say that one of the very best conferences in the world is Social Fresh, which is why I keep coming back year after year after year after year. It's a one-track conference, so there's no breakouts. Everybody's in the same room for, for two days, really high-quality attendees, most of whom are on the corporate side. Um, so you're getting it from the horse's mouth. It's not just uh, uh, talking heads like me. It's, it's mostly people who are doing it day to day. In fact, many, many, many guests uh, on the Social Pros podcast have have been presenters uh, at Social Fresh, so I can't recommend it highly enough. Uh, in fact, you know who should speak at the next Social Fresh after this one is Mr. Adam Brown. Would be a fantastic. <laughs> oh wow! Oh, I'm, there I'm we go. Over here with this guy. I'm sure uh, we can make that happen. I'm sure we can. Speaking of uh, of Adam Brown, I'm going to take a second to uh, acknowledge a couple more sponsors on this week's episode of the show. Uh, Salesforce Marketing Cloud, Adam's company, uh, continues to be a fantastic partner of the Social Pros Podcast. They have a brand new free download. First time I've ever had the opportunity to mention this to you on the program. I think you should take a moment after we're done here and download this. Go to convinceandconvert.com slash 20. That's convinceandconvert.com slash the number 20. Why? Why should you do that? To get your hands on the business leader's guide to becoming a social business. Your customers expect one-to-one interactions with your brand every day. Many of those interactions are happening on social media. Of course, this new guide gives you, yes, you, the best practices for assessing your current social team, tracking missed opportunities, 
positioning, positioning social for real success in your business and analyzing the results of your social media campaigns. Get the most out of your social media. Get it now. It's the brand new business leader's guide to becoming a social business from Salesforce convinceandconvert.com slash 20. Also this week, want to remind you of our good friends at Cision. Just signed up to do a really interesting influencer marketing program with them called Listen uh, that I'll be telling you more about uh, in a couple of weeks. But for now, I want to remind you that they have a terrific uh, downloadable ebook of their own called How to Succeed with Influencer Relations. Cision, of course, is a a global uh, media intelligence company that helps you find influencers, discover uh, who can help you interact with them, does some social monitoring as well, data analytics. Uh, Grab this ebook, How to Succeed with Influencer Relations at convinceandconvert.com slash five. That's convinceandconvert.com slash the number five. Thanks as always to our pals at Cision. Adam, what would you like to ask of Mr. Keith now? I want to ask Mr. Keith about how he got here and not not actually here today as we record this podcast, but Jason, so much of your heritage and your background is embedded in the company that you founded, Social Fresh. I would love to hear kind of what you were doing before Social Fresh and even talk about those early days of, of creating the agency, of creating the organization and my, how it's grown and, uh, and, and just, uh, just, I guess, done wonderful things since then. Yeah, I mean, so I was, uh, you know, a good background piece here is that I went to college for art. I was an art major, fine art major, um, and I tell people you can always tell a fine art major because they will tell you because they went to school an extra year for that fine art piece. <laughs> um, but, you know, that led me eventually into the agency world. I was a lead uh, creative for a lot of agencies in the Southeast and uh, started my own social media agency briefly, then went out and did some consulting after we sold it. Um, and all through that, I saw this trust gap that existed with social media. This was 07, 08, kind of, uh, for the most part. People wanted to hear about blogs and, you know, a little bit of MySpace then, Facebook coming up, YouTube. Um, and they wanted to be pitched on it. They wanted to understand more of it. Uh, but there was a very low pickup on actually getting that business, on actually adding that piece to a larger digital campaign. Um, so there was a there was an education gap, a trust gap there. And, you know, I had the bright idea of all, for some reason, I've always done events my whole life. It's just something I've fallen into with kind of every organization and, and uh, company I've been at. So I was like, I'll have an event. I'll have a conference. Uh, I, I go to a lot of conferences. I wasn't really happy with what was out there uh, when it came to social media and digital. Uh, so we decided to do a conference where we'd show really actionable content for social media marketing from companies that were getting it right at the time. Uh, Great case studies existed out there. I wanted to get them on stage and bring all my clients and bring all my potential clients. And uh, it it just kind of blew up from there. It was more fun, more fulfilling, and more profitable than anything I had done as a consultant, uh, the first conference in in 2009, and uh, uh, anything I had done at an agency. So I took all the money from that first Social Fresh conference. Um, I put it into four... Uh, conferences in four months uh, a few months later and took it across the country and now we're doing our 17th conference so the conference has changed uh, a lot over the years but the core pieces of it having individual speakers uh, speak to very actionable content has not really changed I think that's the important piece we're doing workshops now that are more intensive that are longer kind of three-hour sessions as an add-on at the beginning of the conference because that's something that's been requested but the core two days of the conference is still one track it's uh 
it's still focused on really great uh, expert talent on the stage from brands, from agencies, um, and really uh, really trying to connect people so they can learn from each other. The average social fresh attendee has been working in social media for five and a half, almost six years, um, which is you know a little bit younger than the industry, right? So we have a lot of expertise in our attendees. Uh, so connecting to those people, being able to follow up with them in a Facebook group, being able to follow up with them over email, making friendships with them is a very important piece that has always been at our conferences. Uh, and we emphasize that as much as what's on the stage. Yeah. Well, you mentioned, Jason, that you come from an agency background. I do too. Uh, Jay, you, you come from, a, from obviously an agency background as yep. well. Absolutely. Any any tips, Jason, for how uh, folks who are on the corporate side can work better with uh, with their agencies? Because um, I think we've we've seen kind of, as I've always said, lapels on coats get big and small. You know, you, you see the the kind of that same pendulum shift of really relying upon your agency to help you with actually creation of content, placement of content, um, and even doing some customer service activities, all the way to we're going to we're going to try to do everything uh, ourselves. Where is that right balance that you're finding uh, with uh, members of your of your event and and, and your clients? Yeah, you know, I think uh, I think it's important for a brand, for for any company, to to know what agencies are best at. Agencies are really good at bringing new technology into the fold, new strategy options, brainstorming, um, really keeping on uh, on the latest and greatest, uh, you know, best practices, case studies, etc. You know, an agency is working on uh, five, ten. 50, 100 clients, um, and they have insights from all of those clients that they can share with each one, right? Uh, and I think that's, you know, when you're when you're at a brand, you typically have one product or a handful of products, um, and you kind of lose sight of what's working in other industries, what's working in other verticals, competitors, and agencies are really good at bringing that perspective into the fold. Um, and I think, in general, content creation uh, is becoming a... Uh, a place where a lot of money is being spent, a lot of time is being spent, and I think that um, I think internally and externally, companies should be using uh, content creators. You know, it's a very hard to find skill set to find writers, people that can do video, people that can create infographics, people that can uh, you know edit Facebook ads and things like this to to make them more engaging, to make them funnier, to make them uh, you know more entertaining and and more engaging uh, with actual retweets and likes and click-throughs and and conversions. Um, and I think when you split the workforce that's on working on your content uh, between the agency and the brand, I think that's when you get the most out of it because you have opportunities there uh, to, to learn from two, two very unique perspectives, uh, to, to stay true to the brand on the brand side, uh, but to bring in some really great outside uh, viewpoints and, and outside viewpoints that are being influenced by a much larger pool of knowledge. That's great insight. Um, last question from me. As you, Jason, put together your, your curriculum or your, your schedules for, for your events, I know one thing that you're very passionate about is making sure that the information is actionable. And I think too oftentimes when we hear the word actionable, we think, oh, this is going to be tactical training versus strategic training. And they're, they're two completely different things. Actionable can be both. When you're putting together your events and you've had such great success with them, how do you find that right balance of, of actual you know, skills training versus kind of teaching people to be more strategic when they, again, go back and as, as Jay opened up the, uh, the show with, and they've got 364 days left? 
Yeah, you know, it's a great it's a great question. I wish I had kind of a blueprint that I could show people, but um, it's really something I've just kind of uh, it's more feel than it is um, it, kind of a blueprint. It's it's something I've kind of gotten good at doing 17 of these. Um, you know, one of the things we do is we we speak to this we focus on the strengths of the speaker. Um, so there's some speakers that are more tactical in their day-to-day and some that are more strategic. Uh, you've got someone like Paula Berg at HP who has kind of reinvented their um, their enterprise, HP enterprise services um, marketing over there. And sure. she's, doing, she's doing amazing things on their strategy. And she also gets her hands dirty with tactical stuff. So she's somebody that's spoken on a lot of strategy items in the past in this conference. Um, I wanted someone that could speak to content distribution, um, and HP is lucky enough to have a good budget, and they experiment with you know 20 different ways to promote their content every month. Um, so she's going to bring those examples to people and kind of give them that menu of things they can test and try. Um, there's examples across the board where I play to the strengths of the speaker. So if they uh, if they have something very successful on Instagram right now, I'm going to let them speak about Instagram. We try to go very niche, um, and I try to bring strategy and tactics out in each session. Um, if if a speaker brings me a PowerPoint deck that's really strategic and doesn't get too uh, in the in the weeds uh, when it comes to actually what you're doing on the ground, what you're doing uh, tactically on the platforms, I try to get them to include that and vice versa. Um, and we we try to play the sessions against each other as well. So you know some speakers are more entertaining than others. Some people some speakers are drier but more technical than others. Uh, we challenge them to you know fill those gaps, but we also make sure the entire lineup complements each other. Um, so if I had two people speaking about content distribution or two people speaking about creating content for mobile, I'm going to make sure they know what the other one is talking about. I'm going to make sure that they don't uh, overlap too much, but if they do overlap, they're knowledgeable of it and they can build off of that content rather than just saying the same thing. Um, so we work with our speakers a lot. You know, you have somebody like Jay Bear that speaks at our conference. I don't have to do much with Jay. Jay's locked and loaded. He does this every day. He's great. Uh, but some of our speakers are speaking for the first time in front of 300 people. They're great at their job. They've got a lot of tips to provide. Uh, but you know, they may not have been in that scenario as much as someone like Jay or Chris Brogan or Scott Monty. Um, so we work with them. We train with them. We uh, are working more with professional trainers for for people that want that opportunity with us. We do webinars with certain speakers uh, to walk them through some tips and best practices. We've come up with little uh, little recommendations. Like we always recommend a brand includes at least two other case studies in their in their talk. So um, you know we have. Anthony Quintana from the Today Show. He's going to talk about creating content uh, for mobile and on mobile, and you know we're going to ask him to include additional case studies of other brands that are doing this well that aren't a TV show, um, because I find that people get locked into a case study and they either believe it or they don't because they're not a TV show, right? I, I'm I'm selling you know uh, private airplanes so that you know TV marketing has nothing to do with me. But if I show that same person two other examples from two other different industries, that lesson gets communicated much more clearly. Uh, so little tricks like that we've learned over the years, little messages that help speakers pr- produce a better result. Um, I think the strategy versus tactics thing is is really something that. Uh, you have to cover in almost every session. Uh, you know, some sessions are going to be very tactical. Some are going to be highly strategic. But for the most part, if we can, we want, we like to bridge that gap and really touch on both. 
I cannot wait. It's going to be fantastic, as always. I can't wait to see Paula. It's been a long time since I've seen her. She's a good example, too. Paula Burke, who's now at HP. She was uh, on the corporate side, then back in the agency side, now back on the corporate side. So she's uh, seen seen both uh, sides of the aisle, which is fantastic. Jason, we're going to ask you the two questions that we ask all of our guests here on Social Pros. I don't know if we had these exact questions the first time you were on, because it was so long ago. But if, if so, you'll have the chance to revise your previous answer. I should have looked this up, but neglected to do so. Question number one, what one tip would you give somebody looking to become a social pro? Ooh, that's good. Um, I don't think this was on the last one. I think uh, for me, you know, if you're working in social media, um, if you're working in, you know, the, the content marketing arena, digital marketing, I think the biggest thing is to get really good at writing, get really good at content creation, uh, learn how to be funny and entertaining. And if you're not good at that, it's it's not impossible to learn. Like you can go out and learn the the uh, basic skills of that. You can get better at it with practice. You just have to do it more often than the next person. That's a great answer, and I couldn't agree more. I, I wrote a a piece for Mark Schaefer's book, The Content Code, on that topic, and and he asked me, can can anybody do this? Can anybody can anybody become um, you know, a noteworthy content creator. And I said, absolutely. You know, anybody can learn to be good. Now, not everybody can be great because at some point there's, you know, at, at some point there is a level of ability there or a particular kind of um, sparkle. Some people are, are, you know, everybody can be competent at golf, but not everybody is going to be amazing at golf, even if you really work hard at it. So there is some sort of frosting effect there, but I completely agree that that the things that, uh, make this successful are mostly learnable. And and it's frustrating to me because people ask me all the time, well, how can I do what you do? And I'm like, well, have you done this, 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 and this? Have you been working at it every day for 10 years? Well, no, I just started like two months ago. And I'm like, well, that might be part of the issue right there. Yeah, exactly. I think, I think it's very learnable. You know, I talk a lot about creativity and it's the same mindset. People, some people think they're just as creative as they are. Um, and you can learn how to be more creative. It just, you have to kind of create these habits that allow you to, you know, Jay, you're creating these videos every day um, for I don't know how long now, but you've been doing it way longer than I have and way longer than probably a lot of your competitors and people that are trying to be thought leaders in the same industry. And you're an expert now at creating these types of thought leadership quick hit videos um, because you're doing it every day. Uh, So if you want to be more creative, brainstorm every day. Find these little habits and tactics that you can implement in your life every day. If you want to be a better content marketer, write every morning. Uh, Create a new image on your own Facebook profile to test what is engaging, test what what gets responses. Yeah, thanks very much. We just passed the one-year anniversary of the Jay Today Show. So uh, indeed, I have been doing it for a while now. Uh, last question for you, Mr. Jason Keith of Social Fresh. Go to socialfreshconference.com. Use the promo code J to get 50 bucks off and a copy of my book. Um, hope to see everybody there in Tampa. Last question, Jason. If you could do a Skype call with any living person, who would it be and why? Ooh. Um, so the two people that popped in my head uh, were, were Barack Obama and Richard Branson. So if if those two were in the same room somewhere, I could hop on the same call. That would be amazing. Those two probably are in the same room from time to time. That that's probably not an impossibility, actually. 
Yeah, and I've, I've met them both briefly, very briefly, when it comes to Barack Obama, just kind of uh, passing at an event. And I uh, met Richard Branson at a exact Target conference, I believe, a few years yeah. back when he spoke there. That's right. Uh, mm-hmm. Both are super nice, both highly successful. Uh, so I think they just kind of hit the nail on the head when it comes to uh, being both happy in you know, your profession and your kind of personal life. I think you should start working that, man. I think we can get the former president to keynote social fresh 2017 <laughs> right he'll be looking for something to do yeah i think it's probably only i, I 500,000 I, I imagine would be his appearance fee we're gonna have to sell more than 400 tickets uh unless we way increase <laughs> the price of the tickets but i think it's doable i'll, I'll help uh, whatever i can do adam's in too we're gonna make it happen okay I, i'm in i'm in absolutely right. i've got it on i've got it on tape Jason, thanks so much for being on the show. Appreciate you uh, coming back on. Can't wait to see you at the conference. Uh, congrats on the new podcast as well, Social Toolkit. If you're not uh, listening to that show, you absolutely should. If you like this show, you'll love that one. It's it's very uh, symbiotic and simpatico, as they say. Uh, congratulations on all the success. Say hello to uh, to your lovely companion, Nikki, as well. She is fantastic. Can't wait to catch up with everybody at Social Fresh. Thank, thank you, sir. I work Excited to have you, and I, I look forward to seeing some Social Pros listeners at the conference. You bet. We will do it. Adam, thank you, as always. Excellent show. Can't wait to catch up with you in person here down the road pretty quickly. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, if you're listening to the show and you haven't had a chance to leave a review on iTunes, we would love for you to do that. Also, I should remind you, because I don't talk about this enough, every single episode of this show, going back to the very beginning, which is now three and a half years, uh, there are something like 175 episodes, every single one of them. We have the audio clip and the full transcript and or show notes. Just go to socialpros.com and you will see a who's who, a rogues gallery, if you will, of social media professionals. Uh, if you got uh, some time and want to dip into the archives, you will be glad that you did. Until next week, I am Jay Bear from Convince and Convert. He is Adam Brown from Salesforce Marketing Cloud. And this has been Social Pros. Thanks for listening to Social Pros. Please leave a review or subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcast listening app. Go to socialpros.com for a complete show archive and greatest hits. Social Pros is sponsored by Salesforce Marketing Cloud, Affinio, Formstack, and Cision, and is produced by Convince and Convert Media. Find more great shows like Social Pros at marketingpodcast.com, the first search engine for marketing podcasts. Podcast imaging by audiobag.com.